Well, welcome, friends, to the Tree Church Online Bible Study. Thank you so much for joining us. We are always encouraged on our end to hear and to see individuals in our church taking steps of faith and, and growing in their faith and being willing to engage God in His Word, in a relationship with Him. And we hope that these resources genuinely are things that you can apply to your life to grow in that way, in both loving Him and loving others. And so today I'm going to be teaching from Mark 2, 23 through 28, and I'll go ahead and read the passage, and then I'll break it down a little bit further as we go along. So one Sabbath, He, Jesus, was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And today I just want to start by just giving you kind of a personal example. And I'm excited to share this with you because these particular passages are something in my life that have just reconfirmed for me the importance of understanding the Sabbath. And so this summer... My family and I went on a six-week sabbatical, and if you're not familiar with the term sabbatical, it's a design time away from the normal workflow that is really for the purpose of giving you rest. And one of the fears, honestly, going into sabbatical was actually, will I be able to rest? Uh, I do not typically rest well, and there's always a tension in me of uh, feeling lazy or having a huge list of things that need to get done. And, and rest can oftentimes in my brain and, and sometimes in my heart feel counterproductive. So I have st- six straight weeks of doing this, being purposed and, and being told that I need to rest. And, and so that for me was going to be quite a challenge. And thankfully, uh, my wife and I kicked off the sabbatical with a week in Florida, taking part in a ministry that specializes in helping that specializes in helping pastors and ministers really process through their life, processing through their ministry, processing through their own personal lives. And really, ninety percent of the week for me was dedicated to answering my questions of rest and Sabbath, and figuring out what really practically rest looks like in my life. And specifically, what was it in my life, in my head, in my heart that was causing me an inability to rest and and what ingredients I genuinely needed in my life to establish those kind of Sabbath rhythms. And so, like I said, today, for me, this comes from a heart of wanting to communicate to you the importance of the Sabbath rest and, and why Jesus did this for us, why he communicated even in these specific moments, why these verses are included in Scripture in the Gospels and how important they really are for us, not only in our relationship with him, but also in living the full life that, that he offers. I want to start because I know that not everybody starts with the same foundation, so I want to start by just kind of giving us some general thoughts on what the Sabbath is, And then I'll jump into more of breaking down the passages a little bit further. So first and foremost, what is the Sabbath? Well, to get us on the same path uh, or page, let me start by saying the Sabbath really comes from the word, the Jewish word, I should say Shabbat, which means the day of rest. 
and it's actually one of the Ten Commandments that's given to us by God in Exodus 20. And the, the general concept around the Sabbath is in a seven-day period, a seven-day week, uh, one of those days will be dedicated strictly to finding rest or being able to take the Sabbath and rest. It's a day dedicated to just doing specifically that in the way that God has designed it. And, and the reason why God created this day for us to dedicate to rest is he wanted to develop in us a deeper trust in him for our provision. You see, for most of us, I would say that it makes more sense in our brains that we work seven days so that we can have the proper amount of resources to take care of our lives, to be able to sustain our lives. And so we might be tempted in that way to think that it's necessary for us to work seven days. Well, God tells us that we can work six days, but that one of those days needs to be dedicated to simply just resting. And so God knew, because he has the ultimate knowledge to be able to do that, he created us, that we would self-implode on ourselves if rest wasn't generally uh, a normal rhythm for us. And another, really, that day is just another wonderful opportunity to worship God, a day specifically chosen uh, to, to just spend time with him, celebrating his provision, celebrating our our trust in him as he continues to walk us through this life. And so let me just kind of start with that information so that's clear in our brains and then kind of break down each one of the points that I have for us today. So my first point is this, that God wants to care for our true needs. And if you look at Mark 2.25 specifically today, you'll see that Jesus says these words as he's giving reference to a story that I will reference a little bit more here in just a moment. But he uses the words when he was in need and hungry. And so we must establish from the beginning that God is aware of our needs and that he is there to take care of our true needs. Because if we, if we approach this from that understanding, what Jesus communicates further on in these passages is, is really dictated by that. It shows exactly what Jesus is trying to get across in this by the examples and stuff that he gives. So he starts by sharing this story of the life of David from the Old Testament, and it's from 1 Samuel 21. And in this scenario, um, Jesus tells us a little bit about it in his description, but let me just give you a little bit more. In this scenario, David was fleeing from King Saul, who was the, the primary ruler of that specific time for the, for the Jewish people, because Saul was trying to kill David. Uh, Saul had some jealousy in his life, and he wasn't pursuing God. He wasn't being a godly king, and, so, and he saw that David's life was doing that very thing. Was he, was he was favored by God, that he was blessed by God because he was a man after God's own heart. And so Saul began to develop a lot of jealousy in his life and, and spent the majority of his life in trying to take David out, trying to remove David so that he wasn't a threat to his kingdom or a threat to his throne. And, and David, when he was fleeing from Saul, had a moment where he became very hungry and he needed food. And unfortunately, it starts off by saying that David kind of lies about the scenario that he's in when he is kind of comes in contact with um, this priest, Ahimelech. And he starts by saying that he's sent by Saul to complete a specific task that Saul has given him. 
And unfortunately, at the time when David reaches Ahimelech and he's talking with the priests, um, there's no food that is available. And, and Ahimelech just reminds him or tells him in that moment, like the only thing that I have available to right now is, is what they call the holy bread. Uh, they would often call it like a show bread or uh, Jesus refers to it as the presence bread in his example. And this specific bread was dedicated only to the priest and it was to be eaten only by the priest in a particular place in a particular manner. And so it would have been seen as maybe unholy to give David some of this bread. But Ahimelech actually graces David with this bread and and God allows it. God allows him to, for his specific needs to be taken care of in that moment. He shows favor to David in that way. And sadly, we read on in, in Samuel that Ahimelech was later executed by King Saul for showing that type of hospitality to David. So that was a sad portion of it. But we see that in this moment, this was a story that Jesus uses as a reference that God cared for the needs of David and for the people people of God. And so God was gracious to him in that specific way. And so I want to take a moment and just kind of focus on this idea of true needs. You see, in our lives, there's often the needs that we have, the genuine needs that we have. And then all of us also have these things called wants and desires. And what I've found out in my own personal life, but also in witnessing the lives of those around us, is oftentimes our wants and desires are not always pure. In fact, I, I would say that a large part of the time they are driven by selfish motivation or an appease to kind of appease our own self-interest. Um, and, and honestly, if you look at the world around us, you don't have to look very long and hard or even look within your own life long and hard to find out that that most of us are in a constant place of discontentment, you know, a place of entitlement, you know, overappreciation for the things that we do have, a discontentment with the amount of money that we have, with the amount of status that we have, even simple things like the sexual needs that we have or the power that we have in our lives. And these things can unfortunately become a preoccupation for us, a focus, an obsession over anything in our lives. And they become the wants and desires that we have. And they drive our focus, sadly, away from God rather than toward it. And see, God desires for us to desire that our preoccupation be on our relationship with him rather than anything else outside of that. Because with this relationship that we can have with God comes the promise of someone, a holy and mighty God who can truly take care of our needs, who will at times be extra generous with us in providing not only our needs, but going above and beyond and providing and caring for us in many different ways and showing us generosity in many different ways. And so, we must learn to develop a trust in God that is going to be at a place where we recognize that he's going to take care of those needs, where he's going to take care of those essential things so that we can live a life that is dedicated to following him. And Jesus in his ministry was so good about reflecting the heart of God in his life. He was so good about showing us the compassionate heart that, that God had towards his people. 
Jesus would often say things like, I look at this crowd and they look like a, a bunch of sheep without a shepherd and I want to be their good shepherd. And so Jesus comes and really wants to restore that relationship once again because it had been broken, unfortunately, by these individuals that he's addressing here in these passages today, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of this time. And so all that had been lost because of the things that they were establishing, these new ways that they were establishing that were apart from the ways of God, Jesus wanted to take that and refocus us back again to that again. And so that brings me to my second point. The second point is this. Man-made restrictions and traditions are, in God's eyes, are less important than the words that he has already spoken. And, And kind of just an ironic fun fact is the religious leaders who were establishing all these restrictions and traditions and laws, uh, man-made laws that they were creating, were actually breaking the commands of God when they started creating these absurd number of religious restrictions and traditions. Uh, They were actually adding to the Word of God. And in Deuteronomy 4.2, God tells us we should not add or take away from the Word of God. And the religious leaders added these restrictions because they believed that it would be pleasing to God. They created this, whatever perception in their head, they created because they thought that it would be pleasing to God. And and honestly, as I mentioned in the first point, they had this selfish desire to earn a place in heaven. And so Jesus in his scriptures points out multiple times in the gospels that these religious restrictions and traditions that they had put in place actually, unfortunately, became a hindrance to experiencing the genuine relationship with God. Because, once again, these self, out of selfish or self-interest and self-pursuit, their traditions became the focus rather than their relationship. They had selfish desires that drove them to do this, and they were concerned that everyone around them was doing the same thing, and so it would hinder oftentimes them from experiencing a genuine relationship with God because they were so preoccupied with all of these these silly traditions. And I, ju- I just kind of want to take a moment and share with you some about the Sabbath and some not, some silly restrictions that were put in place, some extreme cases of the things that they were expecting others and themselves to uphold. So they did not want people on the Sabbath specifically to be burdening themselves. That was a big word, that they didn't want them to experience any burden on that particular day. And so they would tell them that they could not carry anything heavier than a dried fig, than a small piece of fruit. And this applied sillily in all, I don't even know if that's a word, but it applied to all scenarios, things like even when their house caught on fire. It says that they, they would say that you could only retrieve the clothes that were deemed necessary, and they could not carry things out of their house. And they could not ask a Gentile, a non-Jew, to help them extinguish the flames. However, if they did so, if the Gentile did so voluntarily to help them extinguish the flames, that was considered all right. That was considered a, a, a proper thing to do in that moment. They could only eat food on the Sabbath, only if it had been specifically prepared for the Sabbath sometime in the week before. If, if This is a silly one to me. If a laying hen, a chicken, laid an egg on the Sabbath, it could not be eaten. 
But if the hen had been kept for fattening or for a different purpose outside of a laying hen, the egg could be eaten since it was considered part of the hen that had fallen off. I mean, absolutely crazy, huh? These are just a few of the, the small samples of what was expected. I mean, those are just a list of literally four examples there, and there were an abundance of these types of restrictions that were established. And remember that, that God was, the, was not the one who established these things. God wanted us to rest specifically on the Sabbath. And that brings me into my third point. The Sabbath was put in place by God for man. And we see that in Mark 2:27. We see that Jesus communicates that the Sabbath was made for man. And he tells us pointedly in this specific thing, this specific verse that he wanted God wanted us to experience rest and we are actually given permission in this very moment when God established that in Exodus 20 in the 10 commandments, given permission to rest. God saw that as a huge need of ours and that and that we needed a, a rest day each and every week. And actually, he modeled for us in his own creation when he created the world and the heavens. He modeled for us that on, uh, on after he had created everything, that he took a rest day. And so that's in Exodus 20, 11. And he was telling us that that was important, and he was going to show us not only uh, through his words, but also through his actions in his own life. And I, I want us to consider like the, the power behind this particular thought that, Je- that God is giving us a rest. Because how often are we given permission in our culture to rest? I mean, if you look at everything and what is being communicated around us, Everything says go, 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 like just go as fast as you can. And productivity and efficiency are the wins for us. And if you're not doing those types of things, then you're, you're not potentially living the full life that is expected of you. You're not getting the most out of life. And, and maybe you're seen as, as living less than potentially. And God looks at that and he says, that's absolutely rubbish. That's unrealistic. And that is not the way that I've created you. The entire reason that I've created this day is because I know that rest is good for us. And if we're not doing that, if we're not following that commandment, not only are we not obeying him in that way, but we are missing out on an opportunity to be refreshed each week so that we can go and do good work for him on the other days. Not that we can't do it on the Sabbath, but also that it's important for us to be prepared for the week ahead. And God knows us best. He is the creator God and has the knowledge of what we truly need in our lives. And and so we have to come about with that understanding and, and trusting in him. So that brings me to my final point. My final point is this, that Jesus is Lord of all, even the Sabbath. And we read about this in Mark 2, 28. And what Jesus is communicating here is that if there were someone who had the ultimate authority to say if something was right or not, it would be Jesus. He was always very clear and direct in his communication of what was godly. He wanted to emphasize to people how important the, the commands of God were in their lives and, and even at times would give us more deep understanding of what the commands of God were. And so he's always very direct and clear in those things. 
he is speaking directly from the perspective of God. He was there and was part of making the Sabbath, originally of establishing it. And if he would have seen an issue in what his disciples were doing on that day, he would have clearly addressed it. He would have told them to quit and, and, and not do that. But we see that he just simply does not. He doesn't stop them. And Jesus as the true Lord knew was best for his disciples on that day. He knew that they had a need that needed to be taken care of. They were hungry. And he knew well what a relationship with God was supposed to look like. And if the religious leaders were going to come against him and argue differently, they had nothing to stand on because he himself was Lord and, and they couldn't come against him in that way. And so he stood up for the disciples. He communicated the importance of the Sabbath and reconfirmed really genuinely in all of our head and hearts the importance of why the Sabbath was originally created. It was created for us. And so here's just some some personal application that I think that we can take away from today. Some questions that I want you to be contemplating and seeing if you genuinely are getting the most out of what God has established that day of rest for us. So first and foremost, are we taking a Sabbath? Is this a priority that we're making in our lives? Is this something that we can allow ourselves to have and to trust in God? And if we're not taking it, what are the reasons for that? What are the reasons why we're not allowing ourselves to take that? And the question ultimately lends itself towards, do I truly trust what God that God cares for me, that God knows what's best for me, and he is the one who can take care uh, of my needs? And, and honestly, after this last point, the thought would be, what would need to happen in my life to consider Jesus the Lord of all? What would need for me in my head, my heart, my perspectives to really trust that God is Lord of all and that he knows best for me? And finally, just on a practical level, what what does rest look like for me? What are some of the necessary key ingredients for that day? That's something that I worked on really hard in Florida was this concept of what would need to happen on that day? What priorities do I need to make throughout the week so that I can establish a rhythm of rest? Uh, Do I need to adjust my calendar? Do I need to adjust certain priorities that I have in my life? Are there things that need to happen in order for me to be able to do that? And also... Uh, what, how do I need to, what ingredients need to be in place in order for, for me to really genuinely experience rest and to worship God on that day? So I hope that this is a truth. These truths that we're learning today can be ones that we can take, take away and start to apply, start to think about if we're not already establishing some form of rest in our lives. I want to pray for you, and then we'll go ahead and close it out for the day. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you care more about our needs than sometimes we could ever imagine or think. That you are there, you're present, that you're holy, that you have a different perspective than we have, that you know big picture. And ultimately, as our creator, you know exactly what we need when we need it. And God, you have commanded that we take rest, that we focus our attention on that day to worshiping you, to thanking you for your provision, and ultimately just trusting you to be the one to take care of our needs. And Lord, we love you so much. And I pray for each individual as they're listening that 
they don't just simply hear this word, but that they take it, they apply it, and that they experience the abundant blessing that comes in, in following the commands and of living a relationship with you. Lord, we love you. We commit these things to you. Well, thank you once again for joining us. We are so glad always when you join us. And I hope and pray that you have a wonderful week ahead. 